this in the ESV version there. The King James is a little bit, uh, a little busy, you know. Uh, oftentimes when I'm reading the Old Testament, I'll read it in a different translation. The King James, you know, is um, uh, a little bit uh, heavy in reading the Old Testament sometimes and understanding trying to what they're saying. And so oftentimes I'll read it. Uh, 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 on one translation I like, if the Old Testament is the New American Standard Version, this is the ESV, the English Standard Version, and uh, this is in Nehemiah uh, chapter 9, verse 17. It says, They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. Well, that's just a really encouraging verse right there, right? Uh, so uh, Nehemiah is uh, uh, talking about, you know, all the folks who forgot the Lord, right? And uh, they were stiff-necked and they wanted to return back to slavery in Egypt. Uh, but the second half of the verse says, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. Uh, and so, you know, the, the contrast between how we act sometimes and how the Lord responds is a good contrast in this particular verse, right? Uh, they, they were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. They refused to obey. They stiff-necked and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. You know, uh, it's, it's amazing. They were in, slave, uh, in slavery for 400 years, more than 400 years, and they cried to the Lord, you'll get us out of the slavery. And he did. And then weeks later, not months later or years later, weeks later, they're like, we had it better back in Egypt. He freed them. And, uh, and you know, uh, well, why'd they do that? Because people in general are stupid, right? And so, except for the grace of God, we're all just uh, bumbling idiots trying to get through life, right? Uh, and have no understanding of the great goodness of God. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, but God himself is ready to forgive. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Amen. And did not forsake them. So, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, no doubt, we've all have probably fallen into the first part of that verse, right? Where, where we have refused to obey, where that we were not mindful of the wonders that the Lord has performed among us, that we have stiffened our own neck uh, and wanted to go back to slavery, right? It, all sin is slavery. Amen. Um, and uh, how many times have we, uh, well, I, I had it better in the world, right? Uh, well, what's that? That's wanting to return to slavery. Amen. Uh, and, and yet God is ready to forgive, and he's gracious and merciful, and he is slow to anger. Uh, that's nice. That means that uh, there is a limit, though, right? And abounding in steadfast love, and he did not forsake them. And so, you know, he didn't forsake them even when they wanted to return to slavery. Amen. Uh, and so we're thankful that uh, the Lord is kind towards us. Amen. Uh, and I think that's uh, really that verse is a, is a good um, insight into what motivated the Lord to send the Lord Jesus to the earth to begin with amen uh, and so and, and we can thank the lord for that especially this christmas season as we remember all those things amen uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute and then we'll get into praise and worship us for who believes father your supernatural miracle working power is great towards us because we believe Father, we believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Father, we diligently seek you. And so, Father, we thank you that you reward us for that. Father, it's what you declared in your word. Because you're the great God to oversee your word. Father, you've given us great and mighty promises. Because you are a great and mighty God. 
Great promises of healing and deliverance, Father. Great promises of love and kindness. Great promises of forgiveness, Father. And cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Father, those are great and mighty promises. Because you, Father, are a great and mighty God. Thank you, Father, for your greatness. You're great in every way, Father. Great in love. Great in compassion, Father. Great, Father, in being slow to anger. You are a great, Father, towards your people. You deliver us, Father. You protect us. You, over, you watch over us, Father. Thank you, Father. You answer the prayers of your people, Father. Thank you for being a great God. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you, Father. For your greatness and mercy. We thank you, Father. For greatness and kindness, Father. Father, we thank you. That you said in your word that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life, Father. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Father. Father, you said that you would never forsake us. Only a great God can make a promise like that. You said you would never leave us, Father. Only a great God can make a promise like that. Father, you are a great God. Thank you, Father. You said in your word, Father, that your tender mercies are over all your works. And we are your workmanship, Father, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Father, there are good works that you desire all of us to complete. And Father, you've given us the power in the word, Father, to complete those good works. Father, good works of people who, who have no hope. Good works for people who are full of sickness and disease. Good works, Father, for those who are struggling in depression, struggling, Father, in addiction. Good works, Father, to lay hands, Father, on people and to deliver your power into their lives and to restore, Father, and to heal and to deliver, Father. Those are good works, Lord. Father, we thank you. You are the great God and worthy of all praise. Worthy of all adoration, Father. Father, we testify of your goodness. We are your witnesses, Father. We testify of the great and wonderful things you've done in our life. Because you are great and kind, Father. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father. And Lord, we give you praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Well, is the Lord good? You know, He's good all the time. Amen. You know, just in, in, my, own, uh, in my own life, you know, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'm going from here to there, walking from here to there, and I'll just start telling the Lord how great and mighty He is, how worthy of, of praise and adoration He is. And I'll ask a question, you know, why, well, Lord, why are you worthy? And I'll answer the question, because you're good and kind and merciful towards us. Uh, and so, you know, He's not asking the question. I'm asking the question, well, Lord, why are, why are you worthy of my praise? Because you love me and you, you gave 
more to me than I'll ever know. Uh, and so, uh, and I'll just tell the Lord how great and mighty he is. I'm not, I won't even ask him for anything, you know. I'll just tell him how wonderful he is, how kind he is, how patient he is. Amen. And I encourage you to do that just in your own day-to-day life, just walking from here to there. Just remind the Lord how good and kind he is. Amen. It's good for your own heart. It's good for your own, uh, your own mind to get your mind renewed that the Lord is good. Amen. Because the world and much of the church is constantly telling us the Lord is not good. That he's out to get you. That he just wait and, he, and he's, he's hiding in the corner somewhere to jump at you, you know. I've got a cat that's like that. She, she hides in the corner and attacks my dog, you know. Uh, and some people think that's the way the Lord is. You know, he's hiding in the corner waiting to get you. You mess up and, you know, just, and then, you know, swaps at you, you know. And the dog could just squish the cat anytime he wanted, but he's terrified of her. Uh, and many people are terrified of the Lord, amen. They're afraid of the Lord, you know. Uh, I was talking to somebody one time and they didn't know as a pastor, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, they said, oh, you've got a hard job. You've got a hard boss. I mean, you've obviously not met him. I got the best boss in the whole world. I mess up, you know what I do? He'll forgive me. You got a real world boss, you mess up, they'll shoot you and bury you in the backyard somewhere, you know. Uh, but the Lord won't do that. He'll forgive you. Isn't he, isn't he slow to anger? You know, some people, you, you make a mistake or they even think you make a mistake. And they're, they're, I used to have a boss who'd come in my office and just cuss at me sometimes. So I said, well, I didn't do that. Oh, yeah, well, you know, you, you might have done it. I mean, you know, he never would, rep- never would repent and apologize, you know. And it's funny because he, he was on the board, the elder board of his church. I'm thinking, you know, could, uh, uh, could I get on the boat next time? You know, next time, you, you know, uh, but why was he on the board? Because he had money. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's like, look, if you don't have spiritual people on your board, what's the point? Amen. I mean, they didn't ask my opinion, you know, but I thought I'd give it to you anyway. Uh, and so uh, it's, I don't know, you know, but, um, but the Lord doesn't do that. Amen. I've got the best boss best retirement plan you know i mean i've got had 401k plans before i've got the best retirement plan now with the lord uh, ever amen uh, well let's open up our bible to the book of matthew we'll continue there today um, and so we're we're um teaching on the uh, sermon on the on the mount here and we got to last week talking about uh don't retaliate right to be kind and be generous uh, and um yeah, but, you know, along the way, some things that we can learn is don't turn everything that you read in the New Testament into a law, right? That it's, it's made to be, uh, you know, it, they're, they're guidelines, right? And you find how that works in your own life. That, you know, oh, you're saying you don't do the word? We do the word, amen? But you go over like 1 Corinthians 14 and it talks about uh, let, let the prophets speak uh, two or to most three. See, why did Paul wrote that? Because he knew if he said two, people would like, that's it. Not one, you know, they'd sit around waiting for, okay, we need, we got to have a second one, right? Well, why do you say two are the most three? Because it's whatever it works, right? Sometimes two works, sometimes, you know, sometimes, I know this is, you know, uh, beyond our imagination, sometimes four could speak and it'd be okay, right? It'd be perfectly fine, amen? Uh, you ever been in services where there was no actual teaching, that it was all just ministry, just, you know, people getting up and doing things and praying for people or prophesying? There are plenty of services like that. And are they okay? They're perfectly fine, amen? Nothing wrong with them. Because sometimes that's the flow of the Lord, and you go with the flow of the Lord. Paul was trying to bring some adjustment to the church because they were way out of whack. You know, uh, uh, I was involved with the church one time, and, and it, was, it, it was like law. that when, Whenever a fast song was sung, you had to go up and dance in the Holy Ghost. And if you didn't dance in the Holy Ghost, you're stiff-necked, right? And you're backslidden. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes it's okay to dance in the Holy Ghost. We were down in Hickson the other day dancing the Holy Ghost, you know. Uh, and... and um, you know, it's, it's okay. Uh, amen. Uh, it's, but it's also okay if it doesn't happen. 
but it was almost a law like it had to happen. Uh, well, you know, that's just being legalistic, amen? If the Spirit of God isn't moving, uh, and you know, the thing we're supposed to learn, we can, we can learn a lot just from church history, right? Back in the, uh, back when they had the, the uh, healing revival from 1947 to 1958, uh, the, the church had gotten way out of balance that, that, that they were almost of the opinion that if God wasn't moved, we still had to move, amen? We had to move in a supernatural way. And what happened was a lot of ministers got involved with demonic activity because if the Spirit of God is not there to move in a certain way, but you, but you still demand that a supernatural thing occurs, you will yield to demonic spirits. Now, you know, the devil knows things, right? Uh, and one minister, he'd get up and say, uh, in the second drawer of your dresser, there's, a, there's a, a, a diamond necklace from your grandmother. The Lord said, you've got to bring that and give that to me. Well, does the devil know that in the second drawer of your dresser at home, there's a diamond necklace from your grandmother? You know, that's just natural information, right? He can, he, he's nosy and, and uh, creepy, you know. He's, you know, watching you open up the second drawer of your dresser, you know. That's creepy, right? Uh, well, he's, he's a creep, and he would do things like that. Well, that's not, I mean, it's supernatural in the sense that the man didn't know it, uh, you know, but it's not divinely inspired, right? Uh, because the Lord could say, in, in six months, you're going to have a diamond necklace there, right? That, that's telling the future. Well, the Lord can tell the future because he's divine. The devil can't tell the future because he's not divine, right? I mean, he's, he's, in a, he's spiritual in a sense. He's been in the spirit realm. But, uh, but see, ministers would do that. They would yield to demonic spirits because they were under so much pressure to perform. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, you know, if the Lord's moving, we move. If the Lord's not moving, you know, in, in that way, he's always moving with the word because the word is anointed. Amen? Uh, and so there's so much uh, things that have gotten out of balance in the church over the years. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a shame because it, it makes everything else look bad. Amen. Uh, uh, but, you know, for me, if you if you mess up and get in the flesh, that's not going to cause me to stop doing things. Amen. Uh, have, have I ever, ever seen anybody dance in the Holy Ghost, but it's really the flesh and not the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. hundred, you know, hundred percent of the time, you know, not hundred percent of the time, but hundred, hundred percent I've seen it. Amen. Is that going to keep me from, from doing that? Well, no. Have I ever seen anybody get up and, and, and pray for the sick, but it's all about them instead of the sick? Well, sure, you know. Uh, is that going to keep me from praying for the sick? No. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let somebody else's error hinder me from doing what's right. Amen. Uh, and, that, you know, that was one of the struggles that, you know, uh, studying about uh, Brother Hagin's life that he really struggled with because the Lord, in uh, one of the visions, the Lord appeared to him and said, you know, I've, I've given you a special anointing to, to pray for the sick. And Brother Hagin's like, I don't, I, yeah, I don't really want that. Because these people oftentimes are just kind of weird. You ever notice weird people, you know? They, just, I don't know what it is about the charismatic world, you know, that it seems like, you know, they, they, they kind of draw out the kind of flakiest people, right, in the world. Now, some of the most spectacular ministers are also in the charismatic world, but oftentimes they, they can be really flaky and kind of weird and bad doctrine, you know? And, and, and he's like, I, you know, just let me be a pastor of a small church somewhere, Lord. I, I'll, I'll be a good pastor, you know? Uh, and, and but you know the Lord needs people of character, who who will yield to the Spirit of God, but also uh, flow with the Holy Ghost in the Word. Amen. He needs he needs people of character to do that. Uh, and you know it's, it's unfortunate that in the church we struggle in that area. You know for some reason in, in our circles, right in the charismatic Pentecostal circles. Um, I remember when I was when I first went to uh, college, I was looking for a church to go to. So you know I was kind of on my own. In a, in a strange town so I was visiting different churches and I went to one church you know they had Sunday school so I, you know find out what time they had Sunday school went to Sunday school and the, the fellow said well my wife normally teaches Sunday school so um, so I, I'm here teaching 
So he, he read a verse, he goes, I have no idea what this means. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, fine, you know. Now, I didn't tell him, you know, but, uh, uh, but uh, then we went into church, you know, and the pastor was nice, you know, everything was great. And he got up behind the pulpit and he took a breath and that was the last breath he took the whole service. He screamed, you know, red-faced, you know, spitting cotton the whole time, you know. And I'm thinking, did I make him mad? Was it something I did? I mean, you know, did, did I dress wrong or something? You know, was, is he mad at me personally? And, uh, and, and, but that was just, uh, you ever been to a church like that? Did you scream at you the whole time? And it's like, what did I do wrong? Uh, and, and, you know, the, the thing about it is, is, you know, preaching is primarily for the lost, right? To encourage them and, and to get them saved, right? Teaching is for the church, right? The church needs to be taught, amen? Now, there's nothing wrong with preaching every now and then. Sometimes, you know, it exhorts us and encourages us, right? It, it inspires us to press into the things of God. But for the most part, we need teaching, right? We need instruction to, so that we know what to do when we leave this building to advance the kingdom of heaven. That's the primary intent of the church, right? But in the in a Pentecostal world, we got, I don't know, along the way, we just like, you know, because the thing about preaching is it's kind of easy. You know, you just, you ever notice preaching, you only need one verse, maybe half a verse, sometimes a word. You preach the whole thing, you know. And teaching, you know, if you can look at my notes right here, I mean, I, just on one page, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight verses on one page of my notes right here, right? Uh, and it takes a little bit more work to teach than preaching, amen? Uh, and so now I don't know if it's just because they're lazy or I'm not trying to you know, accuse anybody of anything, but, uh, but it, it's, uh, uh, we, we just got things out of balance, amen? The Word of God is anointed. Uh, there's power in the Word. He said that the Word of God is alive and active, amen? It's alive and powerful, uh, and it is, Amen? It can raise the dead and heal the sick just by faith alone in his word. Uh, and, and that's why I love the word so much. Amen. And so we talked about those things there uh, in verses uh, 38 to 42. And so let's, let's start here in verse 43 of chapter 5. It, and again, Jesus, if you remember, this whole thing is he's, he's trying to transition these people from the Old Covenant, Old Testament mentality into New Testament mentality. And so a lot of things he's teaching are not available yet, right? He's kind of giving a, you know, a, a, a um, uh, uh, what's it called, you know, when, you know like a, like a uh, uh, movie thing where you see a trailer, right? He's giving a trailer for what's to come, amen? Uh, and so uh, he gets here and says, you have heard that it has been said. Well, where was it said? It was said in the Old Testament, right? Uh, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Uh, and, and of course... Uh, that is a quote from the Old Testament, right? From the book of Leviticus. Uh, and so, uh, in fact, uh, we, we won't go into, into all those things, but uh, uh, the, the, I've got so many notes here, we'll, we'll just have to find our path uh, the best way through it as we can. Uh, but he said, you've heard the love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Isn't that a wonderful verse right there? Uh, actually, it is a wonderful verse, and we'll find out why that is. Uh, and he says, That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, that's an interesting verse there, verse 45, because, you know, a lot of people think that God is for the church, but he's against the world. But if you think about, you know, uh, uh, there's an enemy of the world out there. His name is Lucifer, right? Satan. He's against the world. His desire is to kill the world. His desire is to kill the church. His desire is to kill and steal and to destroy. That's what he desires. And yet, even now, the Lord constrains the work of the enemy in the world. The enemy can't just go and just mass kill everybody. Now, he has, in times and seasons, 
and different places done that, right? The Jews in, in Germany and different uh, places like that, you know, in, in, in Cambodia and places around the world where sometimes millions of people have been killed. But, uh, but they always come to an end. Those events come to an end. So those people are thrown out of power, arrested or, or, done, or dealt with. Uh, and so, uh, but even in that, uh, you know, there, there's not just people just lined up just killing everybody everybody as fast as they can even today they're not doing that now that does happen in certain uh, pockets of the world but the lord still constrains that he constrains the enemy even today and it says he gives rain to the just and the unjust and so all the rain and we have rain today right that rain is good for crops it's good for the ground it's good for for uh, us to uh, it provides us drinking water and all kinds of things but it's given to the church as well as to the world because the grace of god the mercy of god is there for everyone uh, and that, you know, I think a lot about, you know, a lot of times in dealing with people, I often think about, well, Lord, what do you think about these people? And it's, it's always just, I love them. What about these awful people? I, I, I still love them. And, and you know, because sometimes in our emotions, we get so irritated at people, get so irritated at circumstances, situations, and we want to lash out at people. And if we would just take a step back, well, Lord, what do you think about that? You know, the, the people that the Lord... Uh, the Lord Jesus, when he was on the earth, the people that he, that he had the harshest words for were always their religious leaders. He, he, he didn't have any harsh words. Uh, I mean, maybe a couple of things we, we could look at, you know, later on. But um, sometimes people say, well, Lord, you know, I'm going to come follow you. But first, I've got to go say bye to my friends. And the Lord's like, no, you can't do that, you know. Uh, and uh, Lord, you know, I'd love to, come, uh, love to come follow you, but I just bought a new cow, you know. I would love to see that guy when he gets to heaven. Right, and you missed heaven. Why'd you miss heaven? Well, Lord, I got a cow, you know. Uh, and, and is that right? Uh, and, and so, uh, but sometimes it's helpful to look at how the Lord sees things. He's not mad at everybody, amen? We get mad at each other. We get mad sometimes. You know, I mean, I, I've seen people come up to me and said, look at what somebody said on the, online about the church, you know, about Jesus. They said this about Jesus. And I'm just, I, can't, I can't even sleep at night. And I'm thinking, well, you know what Jesus thinks about that? Nothing. He doesn't bother him a bit, you know. We get all worked up out of things. I mean, just get fighting mad about things, you know. Jesus like, he ain't mad about it. Amen. Uh, and so, then he says, verse 46, For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans or the tax collectors do the same? You know, when the Lord's comparing you to, to a tax collector, that's tough right there, right? Because the tax collectors were, were the worst of the worst as far as Israel, because they were... They were Jewish people working on behalf of the Roman government, right? And so they were like the scum of the earth, right? Uh, uh, and because they would lie and cheat and steal. Uh, and so he said, and if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans uh, uh, do so? But be you therefore perfect, even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. And so uh, these verses from verse 43 to verse 48 are just talking about the love of God. And, and uh, every time you see love there... Uh, where he says, love your enemies there, uh, in, uh, all, all through these verses there, it's always talking about the agape love, right? The agape love of God. So the agape love is the love of God, right? For God so loved the world, so that's a God kind of love, amen? It's not, uh, you know, there are really three types of love that we know about. One is, uh, is uh, a brotherly love, right? Like, so uh, the Greek word is philia, which we get the, the, the word Philadelphia from, right? So uh, you, anybody know what the Philadelphia is called? The city of Philadelphia? The city of what? City of brotherly love, right? Because philia is the Greek word for brotherly love, right? It's the love that says, I love you, man, right? 
we're friends, you know, we like to go out to eat, you know, we like to go on vacation together sometimes, you know, that's just brotherly love, amen, nothing wrong with that, but, but uh, the problem with brotherly love is it can come to an end, you do me wrong and, because so, so philia is emotional, right, it's an emotion, nothing wrong with it, because it's, it's, it's talked about, you know, love your, you know, well, of course, in these contexts, talking about uh, God kind of love, but there are uh, verses in, in the Bible that talks about brotherly love, uh, and that's fine. Brotherly love is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's nothing wrong with having friends. Nothing wrong with being friendly, uh, and, and uh, enjoying the company of others. But you ever you ever uh, uh, stop being friends with somebody because an event happened, something occurred, they said something, did something, you know, and now you're no longer friends with them. Uh, and um, I remember one time years ago when we were going to church, we had a uh, we were good friends with a, another couple there in the church, and um, and so. Uh, the, the, the fellow there that we were friends with, he had been doing some computer work for some, some folks that we know. And he said, yeah, I'll do all this, you know, and, and this, so they paid him to do the work. Well, he wasn't getting the work done. And so uh, they, they said, hey, you're friends with him. Could you go and ask him if, you know, when he's going to get that done? Well, you know, I'm friends, right? And so I thought, hey, you know, so I just, hey, uh, uh, so-and-so said that you were doing some work for them and, and uh, they were wanting to know when, you got, when you're going to get that done. And you thought that I had just slapped his mama. I mean, he got so mad at me. And he wouldn't even talk to me. Now, he, now I was running the sound for the church. He was going to the same church I'm going to, right? He's, I'm running the sound. He's playing the bass guitar. But he trained me how to run the sound. And so, you know, even at that time, I didn't know as much as I knew about sound as I did later on. Uh, and so I needed, I needed some help with some things. And I'd go up to him and say, you know, hey... Um, uh, I was wondering, if, uh, I'm having this problem with this thing, you know, could you, could you tell me how to do it? And he wouldn't even answer me. At church, as he's on the stage playing music for the Lord Jesus, wouldn't even answer me. Wouldn't even look me in the eye. A year he did this. A year. Wouldn't even would acknowledge that I existed. Going to the same church. Just because, I, now, I didn't say, hey, you know, you lazy thing. That, you know, you thief, you're just stealing money from them by not doing the work. He said, I didn't, there was no way. I just asked him, hey, well, uh, they want to know when you're going to get that done. Now we were, I mean, we were really good friends before that, right? I mean, we were at each other's house eating dinner, you know, playing games and just doing things like that, you know, and just enjoying each other's company and just, just off, cut off, you know. And, and for, and, 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 you know, the thing is like going to church, okay, you know, sometimes I wonder why, why go to church if you're going to act like that, right? I mean, I mean, so, you know, sometimes you get your feelings hurt and it may take you a, a you know, a Sunday or two to get over it. Fine. It's still not fine, but fine, right? A year? A year, right? And, and it was really longer than that, you know. And, and, and really, we were never good friends after that, you know. And, and uh, he tried to make some, uh, some overtures, you know, to get back, you know. And, and, but it was just, you know, it, just, it was never there again, you know. And, and I've had that happen uh, more than once. And, and, and I don't try to be an unkind person, you know. I remember one fellow was complaining about his job. Oh, it's so hard being, you know, my job. My boss is, you know... Always, always lording it over me and you know just it's so hard you know at my job and and I just you know I didn't want to do anything to get out of this job you know and, and and I said I said well you know the Bible says that you know if God is for you who could be against you I said you know the grace of God is always there to help you do the job in front of you I said it's going to be hard for the Lord to get you out of that job if you don't find the grace to stay in the job that you're in first now it's not unreasonable right because can we not do all things through Christ who strengthens us doesn't the Bible literally say that? Right? It does say that, right? 
Well, yeah, but not hard things. But we didn't say, you know, you know, I can do all, all the easy things through Christ who strengthens me. Why does he need to strengthen you if you can do them yourself? Amen? If he, you know, and so can he not strengthen you in the hard things? Well, sure, he can. Now, that, you know, now I, wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, you got to repent. I was just, you know, just talking to my friend. He didn't talk to me for a year. This is a different friend. Uh, and, you know, I'm running out of friends, right? Because, you know, friends typically say, hey, you know, maybe you could do this. I mean, it might be better, right? I mean, what good is it if a friend who never says anything to you about anything, right? I mean, you're just the most awesome person in the world. Well, thank you. That doesn't help me a bit. You know, I already knew that, right? Tell me something I don't know, right? That, hey, you got to straighten up over here. Now, and so just, well, see, that's just brotherly love. That's not, that's not even, that's not agape love. That's brotherly, it's an emotion. It will come to an end if you don't perform according to my specifications. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, and sometimes the church, we're, we're bad about that, right? Uh, you're my friend until you do me wrong. Now, that's the way I was raised. You do me wrong, man, I'll cut you off. I mean, you just dead to me, right? You know, we were the mafia growing up. Uh, you know, we could fight each other, beat each other up in the, at the house, right? Brothers and sisters beat each other up, fine. But you come against any one of us, you know, and, and, and we'll take you out. Yeah. And, and so, and, and, and that's, I was raised that way, right? And, and those emotions will come to an end. Uh, and, and that's really a big problem in a marriage is the, uh, oftentimes in a marriage, it's only uh, emotional love, right? Uh, but uh, the Bible says husbands love your wives, agape love. You know, if you love your wife with agape love, then it doesn't matter about anything else, right? Because emotions come and go, amen? Uh, you know, uh, when, when I was in kindergarten, the girl I was dating in kindergarten, because, you know, you're dating, you know, a serious relationship in kindergarten, right? Yeah, and and uh, she came to school one day with pigtails. That was it. Cut her off, you know. I mean, it, you know, no pigtails for me. Uh, and, and I don't know, I still don't know why I had a thing against pigtails, but, you know, that's it. She came to school, I never talked to her again. Yeah, and, you know, it's like... You know, whatever happened to her, I hope she's not, you know, in therapy somewhere. You know, I, you know, I was doing okay until kindergarten, and you know, the boy broke up with me because I wore pigtails, and and uh, but she may not even know because I don't think I told her why. I just just over, you know. What what did I do? You know, I'm not telling you. Uh, and so uh, uh, that's that's brotherly love, right? That's emotional love. But Jesus didn't say love your enemies with emotional love. He said love your enemies with the love of God. Amen. Uh, and, and so. But then uh, where it says love your neighbor, you know, there's a lot of verses actually, even in the New Testament, talking about love your neighbor. And we know the story. We know the, the, uh, the parable about the Good Samaritan, right? The Good Samaritan. And in fact, maybe, uh, uh, maybe it'd be good just to go over and look at that real quick over Luke chapter 10. And, and so, you know, loving your neighbor uh, is not something that is even all that difficult if you actually know who your neighbor is. But, um, and so... Let's read here in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know, you think about these people who were so disrespectful to Jesus. Right? They were, they were tempting him. But they would, they, would, they would try to flatter him by saying, Master. Right? Uh, and, uh, you know, we have to become impervious to flattery. You know, sometimes people, you ever have people kind of flatter you? Oh, you're just the best, you know. What do you want? Uh, not, that we're, not that we're suspicious, but, you know, because uh, uh, you can tell fake people, right? Now, you know, sincere people come and say, hey, you know, you're awesome. You know, thank you. I knew that already. But, uh, you know, that, that, and that's fine if they're sincere. But sometimes a lot of insincere people will come and say, 
oh, you know, you're the, you're the best pastor there ever was. Like, well, okay, yeah, whatever. Right? And, and so, um, master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So they're trying to set Jesus up, right? Because, because they're trying to find a loophole of, hey, he said this and it's heresy. Uh, and so Jesus, what did Jesus do? He, he answered the question with a question, which is oftentimes what he did, right? What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all, all thy mind, and love and thy neighbor as thyself. So he's quoting what Jesus was quoting. You have heard it have been said uh, back in, in Matthew chapter 5. The same lawyer knows the same verse from Leviticus and is quoting it to Jesus, right? And so he said, Thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. So in other words, Jesus... Now, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, he's transitioning to the New Testament, right? Uh, to, it's not just good enough to love your neighbor. Now you've got to love your enemy. See, he, he didn't tell them to do that in the Old Covenant because they didn't have the capacity to love their enemy in the Old Covenant uh, because it was only emotional love in the Old Covenant. Old Covenant, New Covenant, now they have the love of God. And we'll talk about uh, how you get the love of God in just, in just a minute here. Uh, but, of course, uh, this wasn't good enough for the lawyer. Jesus said, you do that and you'll be all right. Uh, and so, uh, but he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, this is legalistic people. They're looking for a loophole. How far do I have to go? Right? Remember what Jesus said, how many times must I forgive my, my brother? Seven times? Because he thought that was crazy spiritual, right? Seven times, Jesus, that'd be amazing, right? If I could forgive somebody seven times, right? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. So all the legalistic people got their calculators on going, 490 times, right? Okay, so now I'm going to start counting. One, two, three, right? And uh, 469, Lord, let them mess up one more time so I can cut them off. 470 times, oh, that's it. You're out of here, right? You know, what did the guy say? To the moon, right? What, what the, uh, 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 what's the guy's name? The, uh, Jackie Gleason, right? To the moon, right? You know, anybody... Come on, y'all, act like there's no TVs invented in your time, right? Uh, I, I didn't even watch the show. It was before my time, but I just know that one phrase there. So anyway, so um, he's looking for a loophole. Uh, who's my neighbor? Well, only people within a quarter mile radius of your house, that's your neighbor. Everybody else you can treat like dirt. But all those people right there, you've got to be nice to them. But, you know, one block over, oh, you're off the list, buddy. You are off the list. Uh, and why? Because we're always looking for a loophole. We're trying to find, Lord, what's the edge of sin that I can get to so I can live right on that edge, right? So, so you're my neighbor, you know, if you're in my, you know, you get off the highway and so all those roads there are, are my neighbors. But if you're on the highway, fair game. I, I can treat you however I want to. And, I, and I'm legally uh, allowed to treat you like dirt. Uh, and, that's, and so that's what this lawyer is trying to find. Where, where, where's the edge, Lord? How far can I go? before I can treat him terrible. Um, and so, so Jesus said, okay, fine, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a story, a parable here. He said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who had stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Uh, and by chance there came down a certain priest. Well, the priest, you know, is supposed to be the carriers of the, the word of God, right? The priests of the old covenant. Uh, but see, there's blood there, and blood to people in the old covenant was was unclean, right? You're not supposed to touch anything. You're not supposed to touch blood. Not supposed to do anything, you know. And, and so, uh, now, now the implication here is this man from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's a Jewish person, right? Uh, and so, but he's bleeding, and and the the certain priest was there. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side because you know we don't want to get uh, unclean there. 
and likewise a Levite, uh, those who, who were the carriers of the old covenant law, right? Who were supposed to teach the old covenant law. When he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So he noticed him, right? I don't want to get, I don't want to get involved in that, right? Uh, but then a certain Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans were the half-breeds, right? They were Jewish people who married non-Jewish people, and so they were considered half-breeds and, uh, and were, were basically ostracized from the nation of Israel. Uh, and, and, in fact, if you remember John chapter 4, remember that when Jesus went to talk to the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan. And she said, Jews have no dealings with us. Why are you talking to me? So there was, there was a, a, a national conflict between, uh, between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, and as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. So the, the, the deal was the man had compassion, right? Uh, and, you know, if, if you'll just have compassion for your fellow man, it makes life a lot easier. You know, uh, one thing for me, and, and I'll just tell off on myself a little bit, you know, when, when the Lord uh, called me to be a pastor, that's not really, I, I didn't, you know, some people come out of the womb that way. They come out of the womb, there's pastors. You know, this is just, oh, so kind. Just, you know, that's not me. I mean, that's not really, it's not that I'm un, not an unkind person, but just, you know, I'm uh, just really growing up, I'm just a selfish person. Uh, and, and so, you know, it was, it was not the easiest thing for me to become a pastor, right? Uh, that just, uh, it wasn't my personality. Uh, and, um, uh, and so, you know, I've had to really work at it. And, and the thing that the Lord, the one thing he told me that's helped me more than anything else is just care because uh, that's what a pastor does he cares right uh, and and that has really helped me more than anything and you know and so i do you know i just i care about people i care about their spiritual life i care about their natural life i care and, and just and i meditate on a lot you know just just care because some people just you know they don't care you know how are you doing oh you know i, I found out i got cancer well that's great you know let me know how that goes and they go on you know they don't even think about it right they just because they're, not, they're just, you know, they're not care, they don't care. Now, some people, you can't ask them how they're doing because they'll just back up the dump truck, you know, and just beep and just, you know. And he's like, when I, when I was three years old, you know, we, well, you know I, how much time we got, right? And, and so, you know, some people, you, know, you have to be careful about asking how they're doing because then you get a dump truck load of their, of, from there was a child. And, and uh, I mean, you know, I know we got to care, but, you know, the, the, it's like uh, uh, we got to care on schedules, right? And so... But just care. And that's really the compassion of the Lord can rise up and help you help other people, right? Because if you care about the conditions of people's lives, then that's what will motivate you, right? So many times the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion, right? Compassion will cause you to move to the aid of other people. And that's what is valuable in our lives, right? That compassion that we live in is the love of God. It's the godly kind of love. And, and that compassion will cause you to move uh, to assist people around you. Uh, and so, so he went, you know, he went and bound them up. It said in verse 34, pouring in oil and wine, set him in his own beast. And we could, I mean, you could preach on this parable for a lot. There's so many different things, you know, talking about what the oil and wine means, you know, and how, uh, what half dead means, all those things. And, uh, uh, but that's for another day. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave it to the host and said, I'm take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I came, when I come again, I will repay. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto them, Go and do thou likewise. Now, if you remember what the Jesus said before, he said, Go and, and do likewise before. He already told them that to go and do likewise. 
But the man didn't understand. The man thought go and do likewise was geographical neighbors or, you know, some limit, some, some edge that I can find. And Jesus said, no, the, the limit is you, you have compassion. You move with compassion on those who have need. And the people who have need are the ones who are your neighbor. That's what Jesus is saying here. And so love your neighbor. Well, you know, that's not, that's not terribly hard for us to do. You know, if we care about people's lives, that's not terribly hard to do, right? I mean, uh, it, now some people are just uncaring. They just don't care about anybody, right? They, they don't care about anybody but themselves. And they could walk by and just, you know, just be cold-hearted towards everybody. And, and, and you know, and sometimes it's, if you're not careful, it's really easy to get that way in the church. Uh, you know, as a pastor, it'd be really easy for me to get to where I'm jaundiced and, and kind of hard-hearted towards people who walk in. You know, people walk in all the time in this church because we're right on the main drag here in, in town. And they have needs. Uh, and, and oftentimes... In fact, uh, I think with almost without exception. Well, no, there's a couple of times. They don't go to church, right? Now, sometimes they go to church because I asked one guy, I said, do you, know, do you go to church? Oh, yeah, I go to church up there. I said, well, why aren't they helping you? Well, they can't afford to help me. I'm thinking, why are you going to church? You know, they, they're your church. They can't help you. Why are you going there? You know, now, none of my business, but, you know, I'm thinking, you know, does, does that make any sense to anybody, right? I mean, going to church, your church should be able to help you, right? And we help people in the church all the time. Uh, but then we get people outside the church to come in and, 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 and look, you could get an attitude about, well, where you go to church? I don't go anywhere. Well, I ain't helping you. Uh, you know, now I'm not required to help them. Uh, if they don't go to church, you know, I'm not really required to help them. But, you know, so the compassion of the Lord will rise up, you know, in, in my heart and I'll help them. Uh, and, and, you know, and so, you know, I always encourage them to come to church. I said, you know, you need to come to church and learn what the word says, because God wants to help you. He wants to get you to where you don't have to go around the churches and, and ask them to help. Uh, and, you know, and I got no problem with doing that. You know, I had one person get mad at me as a pastor. All you pastors who always ask them where people go to church, you just need to help them and quit asking where they go to church. Look at, you, you start out with, with pastor. Well, where's my job? My job is to be in the church. And my job is to get you to come to church. Now, don't get mad at me because I ask you where you go to church, you know. Uh, and don't cop an attitude about, you know, well, you should have given me more. You should have helped me more. Uh, you know, it's, uh, but it'd be, it'd be really easy to, to remove that compassion in my heart and be, and be bitter towards everybody who walks in. But I refuse to do that. Everybody walks in, gets the exact same chance as everybody else that walks in that door. Amen? Uh, and, and so, you know, sometimes people call up, you know, hey, can you help me with this? And, you know, a lot of times the answer, no, I'm not, we uh, we can't we can't help you with that, uh, and so uh, and then you know sometimes you know they're they're nice about it. Sometimes they're kind of rude about it. Well, you should help. Well, you should go to church. You know, and I've got no problem telling me you should go to church. You want help? Go to church. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, all of you on here have access to everything every everything this church has. Uh, you know, and, and help anybody. Amen. All the finances, all the tools, everything. You know, everyone in here that's a member of this church has access to everything that we have. Amen. No problem. And, and, and we've helped many church members over the years. Uh, and glad to do it. Amen. Uh, and so, but people that come out, you know, if we're not careful, see, you could get jaundiced and get bitter and get uh, hard-hearted towards people who walk in who don't go to any church. Well, remember what Jesus said in, Mark chapter, in Matthew chapter 5. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Amen. So he, he sends rain and his kindness towards people that, who are unjust. Amen. So we can send rain and kindness towards people. That, now, if the Lord says, don't help them, I got no problem. Yeah, sorry, I can't help you with that. Uh, and and so, 
So that, that's talking about loving your neighbor there, right? And Jesus said, look, that part's fairly easy. And, and the, thing that, the thing that we've got to understand is, you know, Jesus is really pushing these people to go beyond their ability, you know. Because uh, oftentimes we want to, we uh, when the Lord tells us to do something, well, Lord, um, I can do it as long as it's something that I can do, right? As long as it's, you know, I'm comfortable with it, Lord, and not too much. But, uh, you know, if it's a certain amount, I can do that. But if it's more than that, Lord, you know, that, that's too much. You can't ask that of me. And so really what the Lord is trying to get him here is you need to go beyond your natural ability here and get into an area of faith. And so the only way you can love your enemy is by faith. Amen. And so let's turn over to Romans chapter five. And we may not finish uh, talking about love today because it's a big topic. And I could spend weeks and months probably just talking about love. But I think it'd be good to get a good foundation understanding of of what the, when Jesus said, love your enemy. So he's talking about love your enemy with the God kind of love, agape love, right? The same love that motivated God the Father to send Jesus into the world. Uh, and so here he is in Romans chapter 5. He says in verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God, that word love is the agape love of God, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So uh, where does the love of God reside right now? In my heart, right? When did you obtain that love? When you accepted Jesus, right? When you accepted the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit came into your life, caused you to be born again, and he placed the love of God in your heart. Amen? Now, that love is a fruit of the Spirit. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, it's, it's the very first fruit of the Spirit. So that means it can grow and increase. Amen? But every Christian on the earth right now has the agape love of God in their heart. Every single Christian, uh, without exception, has the love of God in their heart. Now, and so... Is that a good thing? Well, that is a good thing, right? So, so let me ask you this. How powerful is that love? How capable is that love? How far can that love go uh, in any situation? Is there a limit? Is it right here? Right? Remember all of our moms said, I've had it up to here, right? Well, that's how far the love of God went with her, right? Up to here, right? Uh, well, uh, is there a limit to the love of God? No, is that, a, is that a true statement? That there is no limit to the love of God? That there's no... No situation, no circumstance that could go beyond the love of God that you will experience in this life. Is that a true statement? It's true, right? But do we believe that? And do we live that, right? Because how many times have we said, I couldn't take it anymore? Is that a true statement? Biblically, that's an untrue statement, right? Because if, if, if you have the love of God in you, then what could you take? Anything. You know, uh, I can't tell you how many Christians I've heard, you know, uh, just uh, with their own confession, you know, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. Or here it goes again. Here's another, they hurt me again. Well, if, if you walk in the love of God, there's never an again. See, the love of God allows you to live in, a, in such a way where there's no past. Amen. And it's a great place to be, but you can only obtain, you know, get there by faith. Amen. See, there, there is no, you know, here it goes again in my heart, right? Oh, you know, someone, someone said something mean to me again as a pastor, you know. And, of course, I tell you those stories because they're amazing stories sometimes. But, uh, but I'm not living in them, right? If somebody comes and says something unkind to me, it's like, oh, yeah, there's another one. I just, but I, I, Lord, I can't take anybody else telling me how sorry of a pastor I am. Why? Because I've remembered every other one. But, see, the love of God remembers none of them. And, and it's a great way to live. So... If, if, it, if it's a true statement, and see, this is where you have to meditate in your own life. 
if it's a true statement that the love of God lives in you, but it's also a true statement that there's nothing that you can't overcome. Amen? If the love of God, the agape love, the God kind of love is really living in your heart, then there's no limit to that love. Now, that has to be a true statement because otherwise there's a limit to God. If there's a limit to love, then there's a limit to God. If God, if God places love in you, supernatural, spectacular love in you, then there's nothing you can't overcome. Nothing. No hurts, no wounds, no, no childhood tragedies, whatever, right? Um, and, and look, I, you want to go toe-to-toe with tragedies? I mean, I, I compete all day long, right? I'm orphan, right? You know, people treating me bad, you know. I mean, my sixth grade uh, uh, principal uh, gave me a zero on a math test because he said I was cheating, which I wasn't cheating, you know. And, and um, I'm almost over that one. You know, third grade, you know, I got, I got first place in the sledding contest in New Hampshire, but they gave me a Nerf ball, but I really wanted the slinky instead, you know, so I'm still bitter about that one there, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of hurts and wounds in my life, right? But, you know, my mother, my mother was an alcoholic all of, her, all of my life. that I remember she died an alcoholic. She died in a hospital, you know. Last thing I said to my dad was unkind words, and then 30 minutes later he was gone. I mean, there's all kinds of things. You want to go toe-to-toe on tragedies and difficulties of life, you know. Uh, I mean... But none of those things define me. You know, I don't, you're, you're at home crying because of something happened. You know, you remember that? Rehashing it over and over again. Rehashing it yet one more time. No, there's no rehashing, you know, ever at home. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in my, in my heart. I can love my enemies. People who say unkind things to me, I'll, I'll love them. Amen. Is that a true statement that, that, you, that you have the love of God in you? Is it a true statement that that love can conquer anything? It is a true statement, amen? Uh, and, and so let, let's turn over to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Because <clears throat> I want to spend some time uh, in... Um, we're going to end up over in 1 Corinthians, but in Galatians chapter 5. The, the, to me, this is an amazing verse right here. Uh, he says... In verse 6, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. So Paul just alienated the entire nation of Israel by that statement right there, right? Uh, Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by what? With by love, right? That word love there is the agape love. So the faith that you walk in, right? The faith that I believe that this word is true and for me, you know, so a good example is healing, right? Do you, want, do you want to be healed? Yes. Do you believe in healing? Yes. Do you believe that God heals you? Yes. Well, the faith that causes you to believe that uh, is, is the love of God, right? Or the, the faith which works by love. So as you walk in the love of God, that love empowers your faith. And so uh, oftentimes, if you have a hard time believing God for something, you, the issue may not be your knowledge of the word. The issue may be how much of, of the love of God are you walking in. Amen. Uh, well, you know, I, I love those who love me. Well, that's not really the love of God. That's, a, that's emotional love, right? I mean, it's easy to love people that love you, right? You know, I mean, I've got, like, you know, like three or four people in the world that love me. I mean, so far, and so I'm, I'm working on maybe. But I think we're going to get to five next year when you're trying to get to five, right? Now, actually, I've got more people than that. I know I'm just being uh, facetious. But, uh, but faith which works by love. Faith works by love. So if you want to constrain your faith, then limit how much you walk in love. Amen. If you want to increase your faith, then increase how much of the love of God you walk in. Amen. And that's really a really simple uh, thing to do. Well, I just have the hardest time uh, believing God for healing. 
Well, then go check up on your love walk. Go check up on, and see how much, when you have the opportunity to, to be moved with compassion, how much you are actually moved with compassion. They can just get it themselves, you know. Fine, you know. Uh, then, then you have to get it done yourself, amen. See, faith says, I don't have to get it on myself. God's going to give it to me. He's going to help me and assist me, amen. Uh, and, and so what you have to decide, is it worth the cost? Is it worth the cost to walk in love, to obtain more faith, faith which works by love? Is it, is it worth it to live that way? I think it's the best thing in the world to live that way. I think it's, you know, Lord, so you're saying, Lord, I can have all the faith that I could possibly have if I just choose to walk in all the love I possibly can. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal, don't you think? I think it's a pretty good deal. But, you know, we're always trying to find loopholes. Well, Lord, is there any other way I can get faith? I mean, we know that Romans ten seventeen says, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so, so I can just forget love and just get the word of God. It doesn't really work that way, right? It works by the whole counsel of God. You know, faith starts with the seed of the word, of course, but the empowerment of that faith comes by the love of God. So you, you can have the knowledge of the word, but if you have no love, then there's no power in that knowledge. Uh, and so you have to put all those things together in order to effectively walk in faith, amen? Faith works by love. Uh, and so uh, he, Jesus had loved your enemies, right? And going back to, uh, and he gives a whole list, right? Uh, he, I, he said in verse 44, back in uh, Matthew 5, 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. I, you know, that's it. And you know, Jesus, he just, he just heaps it on, right? Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, right? Uh, and so, so he just keep on heaping up on all the things we're supposed to do, amen? So in other words, from your, from your perspective, uh, your side of it, you have no enemies. And that's really a good way to live. If you can live where I have no enemies, uh, and, and I say that to myself all the, all the time, and really, I, I think I've told you before, I, I learned that from my wife. I have no enemies. Now, I have people who think that I'm their enemy, but as far as I'm concerned, I have no enemies. So it's easy to treat them and in, in walk in love because I don't consider them my enemy. Uh, and so I know Jesus said, love your enemies, but that's how you can do it is, you know, well, well you, I just can't take it anymore because they cursed me. Uh, I, I can't, I can't uh, love them because they hate me. You ever had somebody that hates you? I just hate you. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way, you know. Uh, what about those who despitefully use you, insult you, treat you abusively, revile you, accuse you falsely, and threaten you? What about people like that? No, they're off the list. But Jesus said, are they off the list? No, they're on the list, right? And in fact, they are on the list, right? Uh, and persecute you, right? Uh, what, uh, you ever had somebody insult you or treat you abusively, revile you, accuse you falsely? You know, for me... Uh, that's that's been one of the hard hardest things. Not so much anymore, but it was one of the hardest things for me to learn because for me personally, I, I don't have you know some people you know they got all these they're always working on an angle. You know what I'm saying? Thinking you know you say how you doing and, and they think okay what can I get from you? You know you know how can I get your stuff? Right? I I, I knew a guy at church. You know at church right? Because you always learn all these things at church, which is unfortunate, but sometimes you do right? And so. I got a church, you know, and this was back in the day before I'd have a truck. And so, of course, uh, I got a truck and I put a bumper sticker on there. It says, yes, this is my truck and no, you can't borrow it, right? Because if you got a truck, everybody wants to borrow your truck, right? And so, so this guy at church had a truck. And so I needed, I was going to do some work on a deck, you know, and so I needed a truck. He said, hey, can I borrow your truck? 
uh, on Saturday, I'm going to go down to the you know hardware store, buy a bunch of stuff, and fix work on my deck. And yeah, no problem. You know, so he shows up Saturday, uh, and but he got his two kids, his two little kids with him. He said, "Hey, uh, you can borrow my truck, but you mind watching my kids as well?" And I'm like, "You know, what are you going to do?" I guess you know. And he said, I'll, "You know, I'll be back." I was like, "Okay." So I'm thinking, "Well, he's going to come back, you know, just in an hour or so, get his kids, so I can go." to the store, you know, because I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, I don't know these kids, you know, I can drive them in a truck, you know, they got no car seats, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm not really comfortable driving somebody else's small kids, you know, to the, to the store, but like five o'clock that night, he comes back, you know, might have been later than that, you know, hey, you know, how'd it go? Went great. Now, I didn't tell him I did nothing, but why did he do that? Because he's thinking when I asked him for his truck that now I owe him, so, so he's going to collect immediately. He wasn't going to collect like afterwards, he's going to collect, you know, and so people like that just, you know, they're always thinking about how can I get something out of you, right? You owe me. You know how many people I owe? Nothing. What if you've done something for me? What do I owe you? Nothing. You want to do something for me? Praise God. You know, thank you. I appreciate it. I owe you nothing. Well, you know, you, you owe me because, no, I don't owe you nothing. And when I give something to you, you don't owe me anything. Amen? If I give something to you with strings attached, that's not giving it to you. That's, you know... That's saying you owe me now, amen. You know, if somebody ever gives something and there's like a little string like this, and I, oh yeah, it's fine. I, I don't need it. You know, I'm not taking it. And 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 some people get upset because they think I owe them, and I don't live that way. Because when I give you something, I don't, I don't, I expect nothing in return, nothing, right? Because if I give, and it shall be given unto you. Now give, and, and oh, well, now you owe me, right? And that whole mentality, you know, it's it's it's. It's carnality, right? It's just, and so, you know, that, that, that's, that's despitefully using you, right? I mean, that's just being rude and, and just uh, not there to help you. They're just there to get stuff from you, right? Uh, and, and now, am I mad at them? I'm not mad at them, but I just made a note. Don't ever borrow their truck. You know, some of you can't borrow their truck from because, you know, uh, you, you may not get anything done because they, you borrow their truck and they come and it's on, it's on E, right? It's on below E, right? Well, how long has that gas light been on? Well, it's been on for like three days, you know? And so, you think I can make it out of the, out of the driveway? I wouldn't drive it out of the driveway. You know, you've got a can of gas, you might want to put a can of gas. I mean, you know, they'll drive it all week on, on empty so they can get you to fill it up. Now, look, I'll fill it up anyway, right? If you let me borrow your truck, I'll fill it up anyway. Uh, and, um, but, um, you know, someone who's always got an angle, they're not walking in love. Amen? See, love is always giving, right? God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And I have no, I have no fear that, that uh, if I give something, that somebody's going to take advantage of me. No fear. What if they took advantage of me? If I gave, the Bible says, it shall be given unto me. So I, I am never afraid to give. Uh, in, in fact, you know, I, I try to give more in, every day, finding ways to give, you know. I got stuff in my house, I don't, I'll just give it to somebody, right? Just give it to them. Well, don't, what, what if you need it? I should go buy another one, right? Uh, sometimes we get to be hoarders, right? And I, I'm, I'm kind of a hoarder like with nuts and bolts, you know, because you can always use a nut and bolt. I mean, you know, just... You just, there's just always something, you know, there's somewhere you can use that nut and bolt. So, you know, I got boxes of them, right? And because someday that right there, you know, I have no idea what it is, but someday I might use that, right? For some things, you know, but if someone comes and said, hey, I need, I need a thousand nuts and bolts. There's a box right over there, you know, go get you whatever you want. You know, it, and it wouldn't, wouldn't bother me a bit. And just, it just, because I'm not, I'm not afraid. I have no fear. Amen. So Jesus so, but see, that's easy, right? You're giving stuff to people that love you, that's easy. But he said, love your enemies. So that requires the love of God. And these people that Jesus is preaching this to are incapable or unable to complete this task. 
They did not have the love of God shed abroad in their hearts yet. So he said, that's why he's in this whole transition period. But someday they would be able to. Someday they will arrive at, at Romans 5.5, 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in their hearts. Now you have in you the, the infinite capacity to love in all situations. Infinite. It, it has no limit. And you have to have faith in that. Faith works by love. You have to have faith in that love. Because if you say things like, well, here it goes again. I just can't take it anymore. They did it to me one more time. You know, here, here, uh, you know, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I've had it up to here. All of those things say, God, your word is not so. God, your word is limited. Your power in my life is unable to overcome. All of those are statements of, of no faith. Amen. But see, uh, all the time I'm saying, I cannot be defeated. I cannot be overcome. Nobody has ever done anything to me. I live that way. I say those things just for my own faith. Nobody has ever done anything to me. I'm going to live as if nobody has ever done a single thing to me, against me, said anything, uh, lied about me, right? Uh, falsely accused. You've heard a lot of the stories where I've told about people falsely accusing me in the church, right? In the church, falsely accusing me uh, in the church of lying and stealing and, and doing things, right? In the church. And they, they said one time, we know, they said that, that we know that you're coming up in the middle of the week and sabotaging the soundboard. They said that we know that you're doing that. What, did I ever do that? I mean, you weren't there, but uh, Jerry was there. Did I ever do that, Jerry? No, I didn't do that, right? Because that would be absurd. Who would do something like that, right? Who, who, would, do, who would intentionally go up in the, during the week and sabotage a soundboard so they can fix it on Sunday? That's just dumb, right? I mean, just, that's dumb, right? I mean, it's not even... Come back when you got better accusations, right? Uh, that's amateur accusations. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I told you too, I asked the Lord about that. One time I said, Lord, why, why would they accuse me of that? Because that's just an absurd thing to accuse somebody of, right? Who thinks that way? Who thinks, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go up to church. I'm going to sabotage the soundboard so it's all messed up so I can look like a hero on Sunday. I don't know. I, what's the motivation of doing it anyway? They never say why I would do that, right? It was just kind of a dumb thing, right? But, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use my key that they gave me. I'm going to unlock the door. I'm going to sneak in the sound booth where they don't see me. I'm going to mess it all up. So dumb, right? That's a false accusation. And so I asked the Lord one time, Lord, why would they accuse me of that particular thing? It's such a weird thing to accuse somebody of. Why would they accuse me of such a thing? And he said, people who would do such a thing will accuse people of doing such a thing. So that's, and that's, that's true, right? People in their hearts, you know, if you do me wrong, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut your tires. Nobody's looking. I'm going to mess up your, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to talk behind, you about, behind your back, gossip about you. That's what I'm going to do. And I bet you do the same thing. I just don't think that way. I, you know, number one, because I fear God. I think if I did that, if I, if I move one knob a degree with the wrong attitude, Jesus will see that. And I think that, not that he's going to up there with a baseball bat to get me, but I'm going to have to answer for that. You're going to have to answer for all the deeds you've done in your body? That's what the, my Bible says, right? I'm going to have to answer for all the deeds, both good and bad. He said that, both good and bad. So if I move that, that one knob, one degree with an ulterior motive, with the wrong attitude, Jesus is going to ask me about that someday. You think about the list he's got, right? Every deed done in the body, both good and bad, right? He's going to say, hey, you know, remember that Sunday morning? You know, uh, in August, uh, you turned that knob one degree out of spite. You made him sound just a little bad out of spite. Why'd you do that? Well, I'd rather not talk about it. Well, we're going to talk about it. Why'd you do that? You knew not to do that. Well, yeah. Did you know not to do it? Yeah, Lord. Then why'd you do that? Well, I was mad at them. Well, there, there you go. Well, how come you don't decide not to walk in love? I mean, he, he's, did he say that? 
All the deeds done in the body are both good and bad. Amen? So I fear God. I, I fear Him. I think, you know, if I do that, it's going to harm somebody. Amen? And one of the, the singers later on sent me an email one time and said, I know that lots of times you would intentionally mix my channel wrong. Intentionally mix, make, make me sound bad in the, in, the, uh, in, in the mix in the house. Now, that's, what is that? That's a false accusation. I can, with all sincerity, I, I never did that one time. Thousands and thousands of, of services, uh, you know, uh, uh, I mixed sound. Not one time did I go, you know, I'm going to get them. Now, one time at Christmas, I did intentionally uh, make the, uh, um, the pastor's wife sound like, you know, she was a, a man, you know, because you can change, you can fix the EQ there and to make him sound really weird, you know. And she didn't think that was as funny as I thought. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, but um, it, was, it was pretty funny, but she didn't think it was very funny. But it wasn't spite. It was just, you know, in my attempt at humor, right? Uh, it was a pretty good attempt on my side. She didn't think it was funny. But, uh, and so, but there, was no alter, there was no ill will there, you know. Uh, and so, that, what is that? It's a false accusation. Am I mad at that person? No, I'm not mad at that person. You know, if I saw them today, it'd be, hey, good to see you, right? Glad to see you. Why? Because I'm going to walk in love. I hold no ill will against anybody who's done any of these things to me. None. There's no ill will in my, I don't cry at home. I don't. Not bitter if I think about somebody, you know, because you ever drive down the road all by yourself, nobody around at all, and you think about somebody from seven years ago, and that little man in your stomach starts twisting, and, and you can feel that, that gall rise up in your stomach. Just, just they're, not, they're not even around you. And you just feel that you tense, you know, that, that, that just bitterness rise up. Well, that means you haven't gotten over it yet, amen? You've got to walk in love. And, and what I would do in that case like that, if that happened to me, uh, I immediately, Lord, bless them. Speak to them. Remind them how much you love them, Father. Bless everything they lay their hands to. Uh, prosper them. Father, let no uh, thing that they've done against me be held to their account. I'm asking you for mercy on their behalf, Father. Uh, Lord, I choose to forgive them. I choose to pardon them. Uh, I mean, I, I get on the offensive immediately. If there's, if, if there's ever any, that little man twisting your stomach rise up when I think about somebody or some event that occurred, I'll immediately pray for them. Uh, and, and, and you think the devil's going to remind you next time? About what they did to you? No, because, you know, last thing in the world, he wants you to pray for their blessings and increase, amen? Uh, and so, so I thought it'd be helpful. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll uh, uh, start this uh, another time here. But I'll be thoughtful. Just, uh, just, well, we'll just real quick, I want to read uh, one or two more verses, and then we'll go. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because the love of God, if, if the Lord says that faith works by love, you know, in a church like this, how much of the Bible do you guys get to hear? You get to hear quite a bit of the Bible, right? I mean, verses, you know. In fact, somebody one time said, you don't preach enough of the Bible. Like, really? I mean, you know, you could accuse me of a lot of things, but accuse me of that, you know, you could teach so much more of the Bible. It's like, really? I mean, you know, come on, dude. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, he was just, he was mad because I mentioned somebody's name. He didn't like them, you know, but uh, he's got to grow up about that. So, uh, so. Uh, we know that 1 Corinthians 13 is called the love chapter, right? Uh, we all know that. Right? I mean, you're required by law to know that. Uh, uh, and so, but if you, if you start in, in chapter 12, go to the very end of chapter 12, right before the jumping off place to chapter 13 about love. But, and, and so chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians is talking about all the, the supernatural gifts, right? The nine gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, right? The nine supernatural, spectacular manifestations of Holy Ghost, gifts of healings, gifts of miracles, you know, nine of them, right? Uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, all of those supernatural, spectacular gifts of the Holy Ghost that we love, amen? We love when the Lord moves in that way. But he says in verse 31 of the same chapter, but covet earnestly the best gifts, 
And yet I show you a more excellent way. A more excellent way than the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Ghost that can raise the dead, heal the sick, right? Tell you your future, tell you your past. All of these things that the Holy Ghost can do, he said, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And it goes right into chapter 13 about love. And so, is that a more excellent way? Well, I believe it is. But you have to get settled in your heart that that really is a more excellent way. Well, yeah, of course it's a more excellent way. But I really like chapter 12, you know. Um, but, you, but you have to, if, if the word of God says that love is a more excellent way, then supernatural, spectacular miracles of God, then it has to be true, right? And if you understand that the reason why we're able to yield to supernatural, spectacular moves of God is because of the love of God. If you understand that those two things, they're not separate, they're, they're connected, amen? And so, is it valuable and helpful to walk in love, to walk in the supernatural love of God, the agape love of God? Yes, because the agape love of God will, will increase your capacity in faith. Faith works by agape love, amen? And so if you're, Lord, I just, I want, I want to be a person of great faith, then that can only happen if you're a person of great love. Well, I don't know about that, Lord. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, uh, is that the deal? Yeah, well, I don't know if I like that deal or not. I mean, how, how many Christians have walked away from that deal, right? How many Christians, when the Lord said, remember the rich young ruler? This one thing you lack. And he's like, that's it, one thing? Yeah, just do this. And he's written, yeah, yeah, I don't like that deal. I don't like that deal. How many Christians have walked away from the deal? You want great faith? Walk in great love. Uh, any other way, Lord? No. Nope. Man, I think I'll just stick with mediocre faith then. You know, I, I love my rabbit. I love my dog. I love my, you know, my neighbors. That's okay, you know. Sometimes I love my mother-in-law, but, you know, other times, you know, you know, I don't know about that, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, well then, you know, sometimes we settle, amen? Now, I want to I love in all capa- the fullest capacity so that I have the full capacity to walk in faith in every area of my life so that when I need healing, it's just it's the easiest thing in the world. When I need finances, it's the easiest thing in the world. When I need wisdom, easiest thing in the world. Believe God, right? But see, is it worth the cost? It's not even close. It's so easy, the, the cost of that is we think it, we've got to give up so much. You're not giving up anything. You're gaining entire faith. What are you getting by walking in love? Faith to move mountains. Faith to raise the dead. Faith to, to fix every problem you've ever had in your life just by your words only. That's a pretty good deal, I think. The, the, the question for us is, is it worth it? Well, that's an easy answer for me. It's, it's not even close competition, right? It's always worth it. But, is it. but in your heart, is it worth it? Right. Can you make that? Can you make that determination that, Lord, it's worth it to pursue love in order to gain faith, uh, and in order to do that, then you have to love your enemy, right? And Jesus specifically said, "Love your enemy," because that's a hard thing sometimes for people to do, right? I, I know people uh, that that said for years uh, they made this confession: "I struggle with unforgiveness. I struggle with with people that have done things against me." And they, all the time, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. They didn't struggle with that. They just didn't want to do it. It's not struggling, because struggling sounds like, you know, you're really trying, but you're not. No, it's just a decision. I mean, it literally is just a decision. Can you love your neighbor? Easiest thing in the world. Can you, you love your enemy? Easiest thing in the world. It's just a decision. Do you want fries with that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, do I? Uh, let me go pray about it. Uh, you know, it, it's just a decision. Uh, well, the, the reason why you don't want to love your enemy is because you want them to suffer, to receive uh, retribution for the things they've done to you, to make them suffer like you've suffered. 
Well, I mean, that, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's real. But it's not the love of God. Amen. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Amen. Uh, and so we can do it. You know, it's, and it's just a decision. You can do it if you want to do it. Amen. And, and, and my encouragement to you is get it settled in your heart that I want to do it. You know, because I had to learn these things. I, I didn't grow up this way, right? I grew up eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you know. And, and sometimes more than that, sometimes two eyes. You do something wrong with me, I'm going to take out both your eyes, right? One eye is not enough. Now, and that's the way I was raised that way. And I had to train myself not to be that way when I became a Christian, to, to choose to walk in love. Best thing I've ever learned to do, amen, walk in love. Uh, I mean, bar none, amen. All the things I know in the Word of God, I trade them all for the knowledge of the love of God. Easy. That's not even a, not even a hard choice, amen. Uh, and so, so we'll look at, I think it'd be helpful to just spend a little time in 1 Corinthians 13 and, and understand what the love of God really looks like because it gives us a great uh, insight, amen. In fact, I think, uh, I said this before, you know, there's stuff on the back table, you know, there may be, there's a good chance of stuff on the back table, but uh, we have, I think there's some, there's some little uh, flyers there for the love of God in the Amplified Version. Uh, and so I'd encourage you to, you know, get a copy of that, put it in your Bible, and uh, read it. Read it every day until it no longer makes you mad, right? And so, <laughs> uh, if it makes you mad, probably read it again, amen? I ain't doing that, fine, read it again, right? Uh, because it's a good way to, to see, right? When you read all those things, you know, I ain't doing that, you know, you know there's no way, you know, you do it, you know? Uh, and so, uh, it, it's, a, it's a good thing to have, so it's a good... Uh, I had one in my Bible. I don't know what happened to it. I used to keep one in my Bible there because it's good to remind myself. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we do thank you for the love of God. You said in your word, Father, that your love is shed abroad in my heart. Father, everywhere I go, I am a carrier of your love, your compassion, Father. Uh, uh, we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that love is without end. There's no limit to that love, Father. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that we have the capacity to walk in love in every situation, in every circumstance. And, Father, we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Everybody okay? Nobody mad at me, right? If you're mad at me, I'm still going to walk in love, right? So, well, I'm mad at you. I don't care. You know, I really don't care. Uh, and so, um, uh, the Lord is good, though. Amen. We appreciate his kindness and love and and uh, the, thing, the thing about this that you can get settled in your heart is I can do this. I can live this way. Amen. This is not something that's impossible to do. Uh, but people have implied, well, yeah, you can do it because you're the pastor. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, you can do it because you have the same love of God shed up in your heart that I do. Amen. I don't have a special case. Yeah. And look, and like I said, I, and I'm honest when I say I've had to work at that. Amen. It has not come natural to me. Some people, they just come out of the womb, they just love everybody, you know. People like that, it's like, I don't even know what's wrong with them. Something wrong with them bad. But, you know, but for me, I've had to work at it, you know. And some people, and it's okay. If some people are just very loving and kind people. That's great, you know. Uh, but make sure it's the love of God and not emotional love. Amen. And we'll figure out what's, what's going on with our microphone uh, here uh, for too long. I don't know what's going on with that, you know. Keep everybody awake, though, doesn't it? So, praise God. What's that? Yeah, new soundboard coming, right? So, yeah, we've, we've been um, eyeing getting a new soundboard. So, um, but uh, the soundboard we got is fine, but there's some limitations in it. It makes some, some things difficult. So, um, but uh, that'll be sometime next year is my guess. So, all right, well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. Uh, and um, uh, we appreciate the Lord's goodness and kindness. Amen. Uh, 
you know, you think about, uh, uh, and I'm not trying to put anybody in pressure, but uh, when I was, when I was um, in the world working you know, in the corporate jobs, I would spend thousands of dollars to go to a week training program. Thousands of dollars. Travel, you know, the, the cost of that. How valuable is a message like this? If this message, you know, you can move a mountain because of this message. How valuable is that, right? I'm not trying to get any extra money of it, but, you know, sometimes we need to, we need to uh, think about how valuable messages like this are to our life. Amen? Uh, and, and that's not to, okay, now you all double up. Go back and rip up your checks. Give me a new check. No, just, you know, just because uh, some, sometimes people think, well, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, it's not that valuable, right? So now I'm just going to give a little bit, but then I'll go and spend $1,000 travel. You know, I mean, I've spent thousands of dollars on one trip for traveling and training for, for one piece of natural information. Uh, and this is supernatural, eternal destiny type of information. Amen? Uh, and so uh, we should highly esteem the Word of God. It really is what I, what I want to get settled in your heart. Uh, always highly esteem how valuable the Word of God is to your life. Amen? And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, to receive the offering. And uh, we do thank you for your giving. You all are great faithful givers. Amen? Uh, this church has always uh, been uh, financially stable, always had all the money that we need to do anything that we've needed to do. And uh, the Lord's good, amen. And our prayer for you is that the Lord increase and multiply uh, your income, amen. That's my faith, is that the Lord uh, increase you. Because yeah, I believe that the Lord desires every church to be self-sufficient, amen, with the people that are attending that ministry, that we don't have to go out and get government funding, we don't have to go out and get other, you know, other things. I know people say, well, you need to have like a bake sale. And I just, I just, I just you know, I'd rather just give it away. To me, I, you know, I can give a brownie away and, and do way better than selling a brownie for a dollar. Amen. We made $68, you know. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but how valuable would it be a brownie? You know, because we give away the water. People think we're, we're, there's something wrong with us. You're just giving it away? I mean, it's like it's a water bottle, right? We paid a nickel for it. You're just giving it away? Yeah, it's, it's not even a, you know, they, they act like it's like, you know, wow, you know, you, that's amazing. It's a, that's such a small thing. Amen. And so, praise God. Well, um, uh, we're going to eat, right? And then, yeah, we'll go ahead and bless our food, and then we'll eat, and then we'll, we'll have our little get-together after that. Amen. So, Father, we do thank you for uh, the gathering together as your people, Father, to fellowship and to enjoy each other's company. Father, we remind ourselves of the wonderful things you've given to us. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We give you all praise and honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. Well, let's get ready to eat, and, uh, and then we'll do something after that, right?